Please be seated. With your Bible or with your device, would you join me in the New Testament book of 1 Corinthians chapter 12? I will begin reading with verse 1 in just a moment. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 1. What does it mean to trust in Jesus? What does it mean to become a Christian by faith? We asked and answered those questions last week. Today I want to think about what it means once we have trusted in Jesus to walk with him and to follow him. Because we use that phrase all of the time in religious circles. I want to walk with Jesus. I want to follow him. But what does that mean? We are going to look at just one aspect of walking with Jesus, and that is serving others. And what is shocking about that is God actually enables us to serve others. He gifts us with the ability to serve other people. He does And that is good news. Here's how we'll walk through today. I want to read 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 1 through 12. And that will serve as our Bible passage for today. And then I will share a big idea that leads to different thinking points that unpack that paragraph for us. And then I want to share an invitation for all of us to use the one life we have been given And that's all we have. One life given to us by God Almighty. We want to take that one life and do something significant with it. So I want to give an invitation for all of us to consider doing just that. Here's 1 Corinthians chapter 12, beginning with verse 1. It says, Now, dear brothers and sisters, regarding your question about the special abilities the Spirit gives us, And the phrase special abilities there refers to something given to those who trust in Jesus by God the Holy Spirit. Special abilities. I don't want you to misunderstand this, or the writer is saying here, I don't want you to be ignorant about these things, or I don't want you not to know about these special abilities given to believers by God the Holy Spirit. Verse 2, you know that when you were still pagans, you were led astray and swept along in worshiping speechless idols. So I want you to know that no one speaking by the Spirit of God will curse Jesus, and no one can say Jesus is Lord except by the Holy Spirit. There are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same Spirit is the source of them all. There are different kinds of service, but we serve the same Lord. Verse 6 says, God works in different ways, but it is the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can help each other, and that will be a key verse for us, and we'll come back to verse 7 in just a moment. A spiritual gift is given to each one of us who believe and trust in Jesus alone so that we can 
help each other. To one person, the Spirit gives the ability to give wise advice. To another, the same Spirit gives a message of special knowledge. The same Spirit gives great faith to another and to someone else. The one Spirit gives the gift of healing. Verse 10, he gives one person the power to perform miracles and another the ability to prophesy. He gives someone else the ability to discern whether a message is from the Spirit of God or from another spirit. Still, another person is given the ability to speak in unknown languages, while another is given the ability to interpret what is being said. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. He alone decides which gift each person should have. And then verse 12 wraps all of this up by saying, the human body has many parts, but the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ. And may God add his blessing to the reading of his word. We are in a theme here at Valley Point right now called For Want of a Nail, which is an ancient proverb of sorts that first circulated in the 14th century and was then cited by Benjamin Franklin in one of his books in 1758. The parable talks about the importance of a horseshoe nail. And even though the horseshoe nail is seemingly small and insignificant, it is absolutely essential. Here's the parable. For want of a nail, the shoe was lost. For want of a shoe, the horse was lost. And for want of a horse, the rider was lost, being overtaken and slain by the enemy, all for want of a little care about a horseshoe nail. The parable's point is that a little neglect may breed great mischief. Or a little neglect could cause a lot of problems. So what we are doing with this theme is we are taking the next several weeks to just talk about areas of our lives that we should not neglect so that we can flourish with God and help build his kingdom on earth as it is in heaven and honor God and serve the church and the people and the communities around us. Here's our big idea. A life of significance is connected to the body or the church of Christ. In unity, we work together, celebrating the giftedness of others to accomplish God's purposes. As we think about this big idea, we don't want to neglect that. So we're going to take a fresh look at 1 Corinthians chapter 12 and what the Apostle Paul shared here so that we can gain an understanding of how we can walk with Jesus. And one of the ways, there's more, but just one of the ways we can walk with him is by taking this spiritual gift, this grace gift given to us by God the Holy Spirit and use that in service to others to build God's kingdom here on earth. Think about this. When a person trusts in Jesus alone, the Holy Spirit gives a spiritual gift to that individual 
to be used to build the kingdom of God on earth through the church. It is quite a beautiful thing. Now, as I describe that, there are probably three groups in the room. As we think about how when we trust in Jesus, he gives, God the Holy Spirit gives to us a spiritual gift. As you hear that, probably three groups in the room. See if you fit into one of these groups. Group number one, you are aware of spiritual gifts. You know the names and you know where to find these different lists in scripture. You know all about spiritual gifts. That's great. Group number two, you may have heard about spiritual gifts in the past through a book or through a conversation with a friend or through a talk at church, but you don't really know what the gifts are or where they can be found in Scripture, and do they really matter? Like, do we have to know about this? That's group number two. Group number three, it all sounds weird to you. And you're a little nervous as we embark on this conversation. Like following the way of Jesus makes sense, but God the Spirit giving gifts and using that to build God's kingdom on earth, it all sounds a little strange. Whatever group you may find yourself in today, I hope you just open your heart and your mind to what God wants to say to us through his word about how we can walk with him and follow the way of Jesus by using the spiritual gifts that we have in service to others. Let me roll out four thinking points. Number one, the purpose of spiritual gifts is to help the church flourish. That's the whole purpose. Now, a word about the words spiritual gifts. That phrase, spiritual gifts, as found in verse 4, comes from the Greek word charisma, which has the idea of a gift freely and graciously given, or a grace gift. And I like actually using that phrase instead of spiritual gifts. I like using the term, it's a grace gift, freely bestowed on us by God the Holy Spirit upon trusting in Jesus. So as we talk about spiritual gifts. They are freely and graciously given by God. And the purpose of these gifts that we have been given is to build up the church and help it flourish. I want you to go back to verse 7 for just a moment. It says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can, do you say the next word with me? Help. Yeah, so we can help each other. That word help in the construction of the sentence there in verse 7 means to bring together or to be profitable. So when we think about these spiritual gifts that have been given to believers, the purpose is to build up the church and to help it flourish. And when we use our gifts to build the kingdom of God on earth, we are actually unifying the body of Christ and we all benefit from that. There is a profit for each and every one of us when collectively we use our gifts. So the purpose of spiritual gifts is just to help build up the church and cause it to flourish. Thinking point number two, every believer has a grace gift 
provided by the Holy Spirit. I want you to go back to verse 7 because the opening part of that verse is what describes this for us so clearly. It says, a spiritual gift is given to each of us so we can unify the church and make it profitable, make it good and beneficial for people to see Jesus. But the very first part of the verse, think about this, a spiritual gift, a grace gift is given to each of us. If you have trusted in Jesus alone to rescue you, you have a grace gift. You may not know about that, or perhaps you can't name it yet, but if you have trusted in Jesus alone, I want you to know you have been given a grace gift freely by God the Holy Spirit. You have something that can benefit the body of Christ. A couple of scholars say it this way. God wills that every Christian exercise spiritual gifts. These divine enablements are not limited to a few believers. No, the gifts of the Holy Spirit are not exclusively for ordained clergy. No. Spiritual gifts belong to every member of the body of Christ. The point is... Grace gifts aren't just for a few. They are for every person who has trusted in Christ. And if you have done that, you have a grace gift from God himself that can benefit and build the body. I want you to be encouraged with that and overwhelmed in a good way. God has enabled you. He's given you something to contribute to the body of Christ to build up the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. It's really a beautiful thing and should cause us to smile and wonder, how can I discover this and how can I use it, this gift that God has given to me? You have a spiritual gift. Thinking point number three, God is the one giving spiritual gifts. They cannot be earned. You should look at verse 11 clarifies this thinking point. It is the one and only Spirit who distributes all these gifts. The Spirit alone decides which gift each person should have. See, this is all God-directed, which I think helps us relax a little bit as we think about, well, what is my gift? It's given to us by God. He directs what kind of gift that we receive, and that helps us to relax knowing that God is in charge of this whole gift enablement program. Now, I know there are some type A's in the room who are like, oh, I have a gift. I need to know what that gift is, and I need to discover it, and I need to know how to use it right now in this moment today. I want to encourage you just to relax because I don't know if it's essential for us to know or to even be able to name our gift. What is essential is to understand I have one, and as I serve the body of Christ, it will become clear what that grace gift is. So we can relax a bit, understanding that the God who loves me, right? The God who created me in his image to mirror him, He's going to make sure that happens. 
the God who brought me safely into this world. He has a grace gift for me. And as I begin serving the body, I will probably be using that grace gift. So God is in control of all of this. He is the one who distributes the gifts. I can't earn it. This helps us relax a little bit. One final thinking point, and that is you and your grace gift are needed to complete the body of Christ. And I hope you hear that, and I hope it falls on you with grace and love that you and your grace gift are needed in the body of Christ just to help it grow and flourish and accomplish what God wants for it. Look at verse 12. It says, the human body has many parts. That's the visual. That's the picture. And the many parts make up one whole body. So it is with the body of Christ and your horseshoe nail next to my horseshoe nail and the horseshoe nails of everyone else. They are needed. And I believe that is the point of 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We have been given a gift. Now let's begin using that in service to others to build God's kingdom here on earth. As I moved through this passage and studied it once again, there were a couple of questions that came to my mind. Perhaps you are asking some of the same questions. So two questions in particular. Number one, what are the grace gifts? If they're given, certainly they have some titles and some names, and we already read through one list in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. Uniquely, there are different lists in Scripture. Some of them overlap, but we can read about what these grace gifts are in Scripture. God has not hidden this information from us. If you look to the screens, you can see a list from four different New Testament books, Romans, 1 Corinthians, which we read about that, the book of Ephesians, and the book of 1 Peter. All of these books contain different lists. Again, some overlap, but some provide new information. I will just add to what you see on the screens here. These are not exhaustive lists. I think there's probably other things that can be put into this, but this is what we find in Romans, 1 Corinthians, and Ephesians, and 1 Peter. Different churches and faith traditions believe different things about some of the gifts that you see on the screens. I believe that some of the gifts that are listed here and some of these areas of service were uniquely for the early church as it launched to give them authority and power and are not necessarily gifts that are needed for the church today, but that is a whole different conversation that we're not going to get into today. Here are the lists that you see in four different New Testament books. Those are the gifts. Question number two, how can I discover my gift? If God the Holy Spirit gave me a spiritual gift or gifts, then how do I actually discover this? Is there a test? Is there an assessment? Is there something online that I can take? And I would say to you that there probably is. 
But this is going to sound very simple and unsophisticated. Okay, that's my clarification. It's going to sound really simple and unsophisticated when it comes to discovering your gifts after studying a lot of these passages through the years. And after 30 years of serving in different churches and having conversations with people about discovering gifts and what is my gift and how do I know, I think the way we discover our gift or gifts is to just start doing things, to just start serving people. I think the way we discover our gift is to get engaged in a church like Valley Point and plug in and engage and just start serving the body. And it's in serving others that we have the chance to discover what our gift may be. And that can be affirmed by someone else in the body of Christ. Like, you're really good at this. And you should probably keep doing that because it served me and it helped me and it moved me closer to Jesus. So I think the way we discover our gifts is not through some kind of assessment. It's simply by doing things and becoming active and trying different things and allowing the body of Christ to confirm in us this is probably your gift. Now, I say that because, keep in mind, and I think this is kind of interesting, Paul wrote the book of Romans in A.D. 57, near the end of his third missionary journey. In Romans, we find one of the spiritual gift lists. We find it there. But that book wasn't written until A.D. 57. 1 Corinthians was written in A.D. 56, Paul wrote the prison epistles, of which Ephesians is part of that, which contains a spiritual gift list during his first Roman imprisonment somewhere between A.D. 60 and 62, and 1 Peter. This epistle was probably written shortly before the outbreak under Nero in A.D. 64. Now, that's a list of the different books where we find the lists of spiritual gifts. And I share that with you because the earliest literature that the followers of Jesus would have had in those initial stages, the earliest literature containing a list of here's the gifts and here's how you know, would not have been available until approximately 56 A.D., now, that doesn't mean they were talking about these different lists and using some of the same words and identifying that, but the actual written literature wasn't available until 56 AD. So the early church existed without a list. They couldn't go to something to say, well, that's my gift right there. Mercy, teaching, hospitality, generosity. They didn't have such a list. I think they were just active in their churches doing things and people said, you're really good at this and here's how I have been fed and how I am following the way of Jesus as you use your spiritual gift. Now, if you still have a desire to know and name your gift, then I would encourage you to read through the different passages and that's gonna be one of our takeaways in just a moment. Read through those passages and just ask God to give you some insight or perspective as to what your gift may be. 
I think a greater way to identify your gift is to ask someone close to you, what do you see in me in terms of a grace gift or a spiritual gift? But I don't think it's critical to be able to name your gift. So if this all seems weird to you, don't worry about it. I don't think you have to name your gift. I do think God wants you to actively serve the body of Christ. And in doing that, you will be using your gift in some way. I want to share two stories as we think about grace gifts. Here's story number one. Often there are needs that come my way or come across my desk. And I see that and I begin to think, who in our church could solve this problem? Who could help with this? And often a variety of people come to mind. And often I'll reach out and say, hey, I think you might be able to do something about this. Are you available and willing? And often those turn into great stories. But inevitably, whenever something comes across my desk and I wonder, who could in our church serve this person or solve this problem or help this organization? One person in particular comes to mind almost every single time. A humble person. Someone who has the gift of mercy and hospitality. They're very generous as well. And I can't go to that person every time because I want them to keep answering my phone calls. And so I don't do that. But they come to mind every single time. As a family, we generally travel back to Illinois once a year so that we can spend time with my family. And we drive that. And in 13 and a half years of doing this, I have discovered that the state of Pennsylvania is very wide. It's just, we're way over here on this side, and like you're six hours in, and are we, we have to be in California by now, it feels like, and we've barely reached the border of Ohio, and we got to go all the way across Ohio and all the way across Indiana until we finally reach the suburban ring of Chicago, and my family is waiting there for us. As we drive, I often wonder, if I broke down on the border of Ohio, a long way from home here, if I broke down, who could I call that might come and rescue us in our stuck vehicle? Now, some would say if I called you, Eric, it's great to talk to you. Sorry you're broken down. Triple A. <laughs> it works every single time. You need to get that and I'll be praying that they come soon. God bless, have a great trip. Triple A. Some would say, if I called, it's the pastor. Don't take that call. <laughs> right, and I get it. You know, never know what's going to happen. So I, I get it. Not everyone's going to take that call, and that's okay. This person takes that call. And I know in some way or fashion, they would help. They would come or do something in order to serve us and help us in that moment. My friend has the gifts of mercy and hospitality. That's one story. 
Here's story number two. I have a friend who calls frequently, and every time they call, I try to take that call because I have found these calls to be really entertaining and a lot of fun. So he'll call and he'll say, Eric, I just came across this verse and I never knew the verse was there. And he'll talk about it. I'm like, yeah, that verse has always been there. It's amazing. And I'm glad you discovered it and you're enjoying it. Sometimes my friend will call and he'll sing a song to me, a worship song that we have sung in church. And he goes, I love this new song and it's great. And he's not a good singer, but I listen to that and enjoy what God is doing in his heart with that song. But often my friend will call, and he'll say, Eric, I have someone on the line, and uh, they're broken right now in some way, and, and they're fighting for hope and for a good word. Will you pray with them? And I'll say, yeah. I'll be glad to pray with your friend. And so on the phone there, the three of us, sometimes it's four and five people, we will pray together and ask for God to work and for God to intervene and for God to show up on their behalf. I love those calls and I try to take them every single time because I see my friend using the gift of evangelism to reach out to people and to serve them and to help them in every single way and it is beautiful. I don't know what your grace gift may be, but you have one if you've trusted in Jesus. The challenge here is just start using your gift to serve other people, and in doing that, you will probably be exercising your gift and building God's kingdom here on earth as it is in heaven. A couple of takeaways. Number one, a life of significance is connected to the body to the church of Christ. May we flourish and not neglect to use our grace gifts to serve the body. Let's say yes to serving each other. That's the challenge for us. How do we do this? Well, maybe come to meet the pastor if you haven't done that and let's talk or come to meet the church or just step into an area of ministry here that might be tugging at you a little bit and just Step in and engage and see what God does. We have a first Saturday Serving Love Day coming in October. I think those are great ways where we come together in smaller groups and we go out into three, four, or five different places in our communities in Wilmington and in Chester and in our surrounding locations and we just serve these organizations. That is a way to discover your gift right now. Right now as we are meeting we have a team from Valley Point in the Dominican Republic, and they are serving and loving on a village there. Do you know one of the things they're doing this week? They're building chicken coops. Oh my, I don't know how to do that. I think I'd be willing to go and try, but there's a team. They're going to be building chicken coops, and they're giving these things to families in the village because that becomes a sustainable source of potential income for them into the future. And our team is right there now building those chicken coops and they'll be serving in an English-speaking school and doing all kinds of different things. There are a plethora of ways and opportunities for you right here within the church to find and exercise and use your spiritual gift 
So just engage because a life of significance is connected to the body. Here's the second takeaway. Read this week's scripture reading plan. It contains the different lists of grace gifts and as you read, just open your heart to what God may want for you and perhaps he'll speak to you through his word and say, you know, this might be your gift. You should find a way to serve others through and with this gift. You know, I think God has more for us. I think God has so much more for us than just getting up and going to work and making some money, coming home, eating, watching football, socializing a little bit, and then going to bed, and then getting up (laughs) and going to work and making some money and coming home and eating something, watching more football and socializing a little bit and then going to bed and repeating that for the next 60, 70, or 80 years. Exercising our spiritual gifts is a way for us to upgrade our lives because we're using what God has already given to us. He's enabled us. We're using what God has given to us to build his kingdom here on earth through the church, the body of Christ, which is a beautiful and adventurous way to live. Back to the big idea. It says a life of significance is connected to the body the church of Christ. In unity, we work together celebrating the giftedness of others to accomplish God's purposes. May God help all of us not to neglect our spiritual gifts. Father, we come to you and we're so thankful for this Sunday Reunion Sunday, the opportunity to come together as a church and just be back together. We're grateful for everyone that's here and everyone that's watching online. God, we're walking through thinking about how there's areas of life we should not neglect. God, I don't think we want to neglect the spiritual gifts that you have given to us. Sometimes it's a little strange to think about them and how do they work and how do I know which one is mine. But I think the point of 1 Corinthians chapter 12 is that there's one body of Christ, the church. It's made up of all kinds of different parts, different nails. Yet when these different parts, when all of these nails come together, however small or big they may be, you see it as one body. And within that body, there is opportunity for us just to serve others. So God, I pray that you would stir in each and every person here, every believer, every Christian to consider, God has enabled me in some way. Maybe I should read through these passages of scripture and just open my heart to the voice of God so that he can share with me something and then find an outlet, outlet, find a way to use that within the body of Christ. So God, help us all to take a good next step coming out of today, knowing that you want your church to flourish. 